Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Episode 202 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by cloud accounting software FreshBooks and by Gusto. FreshBooks offering a free 30-day trial with access to all their features. To find out more, visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Gusto is refreshingly easy payroll, benefits, and HR for the modern small business. Currently offering an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash read to lead. Putting the real work in to put yourself in circles that uh, your trust, your authenticity, your work ethic is being amplified by others, not you, immediately gives you the strategic advantage. Hi there, and thank you so much for choosing to give your time and attention to the Read to Lead podcast. I'm Jeff Brown. And if you're new here, I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then intentional and consistent reading is an absolute must. Now, the Read to Lead podcast is not only going to help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but bring you key ideas and valuable insights from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And today, the person sitting in that chair is a guy by the name of Scott Gerber. He's the co-author, along with a guy named Ryan Paul, of a new book called Super Connector, Stop Networking and Start Building Business Relationships That Matter. And when he gets here, I'm going to ask Scott about how we can begin to change our thinking so that we think more like a super connector and less like a networker. There's a big difference. How to talk to anyone by simply asking the right questions, the do's and don'ts of introductions, and so much more. You know, I'm often told by people just like yourself how thankful they are for the Read to Lead podcast. Needless to say, it puts a smile on my face. And if you've ever felt that way, if you're thankful for the Read to Lead podcast, I am not the only one to thank. There are also our sponsors who help offset much of the costs related to creating a podcast like this every week. And they are incredible. Like the folks at Gusto, they're a refreshingly easy payroll benefits and HR solution for the modern small business. Now, there are other services like this on the internet, as you might imagine. But why might Gusto be better than the other guys? Well, PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto makes payroll a breeze. Nine out of ten users say Gusto is easier to use than other payroll solutions. Gusto saves you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run payroll. I love that. And Gusto is reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. And if any of that seems hard to believe, well, all you have to do is Google them. People love Gusto. How often do you actually love your payroll provider? Right now, Gusto is offering an exclusive limited time deal. You sign up today and you get three months of their service free once you run your first payroll. To get started, just go to gusto.com slash read to lead. Augusto is fairly new to the Read to Lead podcast, but somebody who's been around for going on two years is FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software. In fact, they believe so much in what we're trying to do here at the Read to Lead podcast that they've renewed for the remainder of 2018. 
See, I told you there was more than just me to thank. The FreshBooks is especially helpful if you're a freelancer or small business owner. If you're like I used to be, then there's a good chance that at tax time, you're trying to dig your way out from underneath a pile of receipts and spreadsheets. Well, do yourself a huge favor and just stop digging. Before you completely disappear under the abyss of paperwork, go and check out FreshBooks cloud accounting software. Not only can FreshBooks save you a ton of time and stress, it might actually change the way you feel about dealing with things like your taxes. One of the things I love is you can set up FreshBooks to import expenses directly from your accounts, which means next time you need to use your debit card for a meal or a tank of gas or a new computer, the purchase is recorded instantly in FreshBooks. Love it. Right now, FreshBooks offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead, and you know what to do. Put read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Scott Gerber is an industry leader in building and managing personalized invitation-only communities for world-class executives, entrepreneurs, and professionals. He's also the co-founder of Community Company, the team behind professional communities like YEC, an organization composed of more than 1,500 of the world's most successful young entrepreneurs, founded by Scott and Forbes Councils. Scott is a sought-after public speaker, internationally syndicated business columnist, television commentator, author of the book Never Get a Real Job, and a special advisor to Forbes Media. His columns appear regularly on or in Time, CNBC, CNN, Mashable, The Next Web, and Huffington Post. And he is a regular contributor to MSNBC, Fox Business, and CNN. His new book, written with Ryan Paul, is called Super Connector. Stop networking and start building business relationships that matter. Scott, welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Well, the authors begin, Scott and Ryan, uh, chapter one, with asserting that there is a huge difference between the, the kind of connection social media has taught us to do and, and the kind of connection they want you to follow. So, so, Scott, expound on that a bit for us, if you would. Absolutely. You know, I think that the culture has taught us that being connected and being a connector mm. are the same thing. Uh, and they are fundamentally not. Uh, in the same way that people think being a networker and a connector are the same thing, and they are not. Um, you know, we have been uh, sort of the wool has been pulled over our eyes by business interests and third parties about the idea that vanity metrics and personal brand are more valuable than real relationships. Mm. And it is that dopamine hit that you get when you like share or tweet or post um, that is keeping you in this world that that vanity metric is actually the foundation of a relationship. Mm. And so we've become a group of people that think about Oh, look how connected I am on social media. I have 500 fans, 5,000 friends, whatever it is. But yet, if that platform went away, what do you really have at all? Mm. And I think that's really the idea that we explore, that the new reality of the noise that is created by these monster platforms and just the world in general that we know um, is becoming such that humanity is being removed by technology instead of amplified by it. And that 
it is important to be someone who really cares not about the tactics of being a networker, but of the lifestyle of a connector, the true mindset shift one has to have in order to be someone that is valuable to others, of service to others, a community builder in its truest form versus its bastardized marketing tactic (laughs) intent. Uh, And I think we want to bring back the reality that human interaction requires humanity. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Well, early in the book, you and, and Ryan suggest that there are different kinds of connectors and that you've got to determine the kind of connector you are before, before going forward. So, so how do you categorize those connectors, generally speaking? Yeah, so we have obviously, we, we believe there's a, a wonderful person named Erica Dwan, mm. uh, and uh, she has sort of outlined these three ideas of connectors, thinkers, enablers, and uh, connection executors. And that you need to basically figure out which one of these kinds of people, you know, you are. You know, thinkers are typically the curious ones. They have ideas, you know, every minute, uh, and they're just terrible at executing. I often say that's my like sort of exact lens on the world because I couldn't create from a vision level and not just, you know, out of, uh, you know, just egotism, but that's just my skill set of driving business or large ideas, um, you know, into the public mind culture. That's, that's just what I've done in the business. But if you ask me to run our business, I, I lovingly refer to Chris Farley's line in Saturday night live of we'd be living in a van down by the river, <laughs> eating a steady diet of government cheese. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, having someone like my partner, Ryan, who is a connection executor, who is literally the person that takes the ideas and makes it happen, right? Mm. By combining our two strengths, we have the ability not only to identify our weaknesses and fill those elsewhere, but to be able to create a connection framework of how we as connectors see the world and create uh, value and the most value we can to the world around us. Um, I think too many people look at the world in terms of what is the best way to tackle this from a tactics perspective instead of a mindset perspective. Mm. Um, And so by looking at it from a mindset perspective and a values perspective, you're much more likely uh, to create the kinds of things or bring the things into the world, whether it be business, community, relationships, uh, that you actually look to aspire to do by just being honest with yourself, by having the the self-awareness to know who you are and who you're not. You mentioned Erica. We actually had her on the show way back in in episode 72. So I'll link that up in the show notes. A lot of people struggle with this this next thing I want to dive into. Talk, if you would, Scott, about what you call the art of being selective in your relationship choices. I think some folks tend to misconstrue what that really means, as well as sort of related to that, the power of association. So, you know, when we say that, we don't mean go be some elite snob. I think that's the <laughs> yeah. the, the nice the nice way of saying what you, you were probably alluding to. <laughs> um, what we're saying is, look, you have one life to live. You have 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 365 in a year. And you have to be mindful that every minute you spend on something, again, whether that's your own personal development, your own business, or helping others, is time you're not going to get back. And so there's this old saying that, you know, you are the combination or the average of the five people you know best or that you surround yourself by. And so in doing an audit of yourself, and if you do that exercise, do you like who you are? Mm. Do you actually, you know, like what you've become? Do you believe directionally you are headed towards the goals you've aspired to achieve by looking at that average? And I would argue that most people don't think of it that way. And when they do, it's like, whoa, 
wow, I, I don't like my direction. And now that doesn't mean you can't have a friends group and a work group and a speakers group and a, you know, all these different things. But the point still is you want to surround yourself with people that make life and business worth pursuing and living. And by you spending time on relationships, you know, that are not meaningful to you or that you don't want to make meaningful, you're wasting your number one asset. And so, for example, we talk in the book to Elliot Bisno about this, uh, who is the uh, one of the founders of Summit uh, and Summit Series. And, you know, they have their uh, summit retreats on Powder Mountain, which they acquired a couple years ago. Um, and he talks about like how he's really big on people that share not just business interests, but values. Right. He doesn't want to just be a businessman. He wants to be a values oriented individual. He wants to be an athlete. Uh, he wants people that are surrounded that eat well and care about their health and bodies. And so in looking at the sort of cross section between these various uh, hobbies, interests, business traits and so forth, you find the index of people that are your foundational community. And over time, that foundational community will attract other like minded cross sectional individuals that share those various different framework assets. So that's really what we mean. It's surrounding yourself with the people, not necessarily that you want to look to be cool uh, or you want to lock others out, but that really are going to set that foundational framework for your overall community and lifestyle goals. Then you look at things like the power of association. Uh, this is another super connector sort of mindset where, again, the networker mentality, and when I say that word, my face gets red, <laughs> I, I get a little seething, so I'm just painting a picture of a visual. <laughs> you know, that that out for you, transactional, wolf in sheep's clothing, or oh, no, I really do care about you, you know, kind of way to think about the world that that oneself is, is truly the goal, even though that is the antithesis of, of real connection. Um, you know, that mindset tells you that when you want to go build a quote unquote, again, now I'm doing air quotes, we're going from <laughs> red face to air quotes now. Uh, when you want to go build a meaningful relationship, you're just going to go and you're going to meet the person at the top of the pyramid, the CEO, the main person, you're going to reach out to them. And that's the person you want to meet. That's the person you want to connect with. You know, that's the top of the pyramid of influence. That's the guy or that's the woman. And you don't think about the people that actually have built years worth of relationships to have that level of influence or value or relationship with that individual. So you just think you're going to, because you're you, you're going to go cheat yourself the way to that person um, versus thinking about association as one where the people that are around you define who your tribe attracts and investing not in the new people that frankly might even be far high reach people is the number one place to put your time, but rather people that truly will care about you in good days and bad, uh, in tough times and in great times that will be the ones to put their own social capital reputation uh, on the line for you and speak on your behalf to that person or the person two rungs down. That is not who we invest in. We have been tricked to believe that, oh, that person's the top. Let's go to the top. And so the power of association is about aligning yourself again with these selective individuals that have built their own levels of credibility and circles that truly trust you, that you trust them, that the value exchange is mutual, the enjoyment of each other's time professionally and personally is there, and that you share and break into one another's social circles, not to hack, but to be more efficient. Mm. 
because you both share those commonalities, but you might not necessarily share every like-minded community, though the crossovers of said communities could be more valuable to you, which eventually gets you to the kinds of people you want to meet. But when you're introduced by someone who is seen as a sphere of influence in that world versus you go doing a cold email or sending a tweet or you know something of the like, a more vanity-driven experience, the outcome is so much better. Like, Nobody can say, man, I, I have such a better relationship because I reached out on Twitter and boom, I was smart. <laughs> he, he liked to be favaconed me or liked me or whatever nonsense versus, you know what? Here's a guy who has built a company that that guy acquired. Who do you think is getting an email back faster? Mm. Invest in people that want to invest in you and that mm. you will invest in them. And business and life gets more interesting and more rewarding much more quickly. One of my favorite examples of what you're talking about from the book, and, and coincidentally, somebody else who has been on the podcast uh, is John Levy and the, the dinners he started hosting in his home and bringing people together to, to actually prepare a meal together, people who didn't know each other from Adam and, and what that's led to. Yeah, John is a dear friend. And, you know, again, it's always awesome to be a part of other connectors sort of frameworks, mm. right? Because, again, I think one thing I, I just want to make clear, you know, this book is not meant to be, here's a series of tips and tactics. I think that is, again, in that, mm. you know, microwavable generation, <laughs> you know, uh, type learning, right? Seven tips for this, three tips for that, you know, the kind of nonsense. Mm. Um, whereas it's really a series of mindsets and frameworks that work for people that think this way. And then for you to extract those learnings and make your own series of next steps. Even Keith Ferrazzi, uh, who wrote the forward to the book, talks about how what he excites him most is that folks like myself and my partner and others like us have taken what he started with never eat alone and made those conceptually or those concepts our own. And I think that's what I implore people to do with John, you know, going to his first influencer dinner. And, you know, it's very rare these days where I'm surprised um, <laughs> by things. It was just such a well thought out experience. And it's not an event. It's not a dinner. It's literally walking into a room where you don't know the people around you, but you trust the curator, which is obviously the number one sort of super connector thing that, you know, we talked about it, power of association, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and trusting the curator's judgment that if you just remove the paint from your everyday life and the LinkedIn CV and don't just jump in with what do you do, by the end of this dinner, because you don't know who's in the room and you're not allowed to ask certain questions, the mystery and the value of that exchange, knowing that payoff is coming, allows you to open the doors in other ways, yeah. allows you to actually find out about someone's kids or someone's goals and aspirations or what makes them tick or a funny story they went through. And just lets us be, again, the intent, the human interaction, not with a goal or a transaction in mind. Um, taking that, that cultural norm, that societal, you know, tactician approach, that, that MLM, you know, let's go get that KPI achieved. So we hit the numbers this month mentality to building relationships and say, screw that. That's stupid. Just meet John for who John is. And then take that context, that rich context that you're going to learn about this person to build that treasure trove. That's going to allow you to build this lifelong relationship. And then great. Oh, so you find out that John is actually some bigwig or some intellectual in a space you care about, or frankly, someone that has no value directly to you at all. But after this will likely be a person that you want to, you know, maintain a close synergy with, because there might just be other cool things in the future. That's what this is about. And so yes, I, I think John is one of many connectors who has figured out a system of of the serendipity of connection that really does remove that day to day paint very well. 
No, a big part of this, of course, is being a good listener and an ability to to ask good questions and, and sort of peel the layers of that onion away layer by layer. Uh, related to that, Scott, why is the question, how can I help you? Like the, the worst possible question <laughs> you could ask somebody. <laughs> So uh, I, I love this because people like live and die by this question. Um, <laughs> well, let, let me take a step back and Guilty. tell you that. Uh, <laughs> but let me let me tell you, I, I, I can admit, because I think that is about the introspection you have to do when you take on a new mindset. Mm. A couple of years ago, I was on J.J. Ramberg's show on MSNBC. And, you know, one of the tips, <laughs> again, air quotes, uh, <laughs> one of the tips that I gave because they asked us to provide some tips was always make sure you can ask people, how can I help you? And JJ pushed back and says, oh, but it feels like marketing speak. And, and I, I first kicked back to her, uh, you know, you know, JJ, yeah, but if it's coming from an authentic place and, and we left it there. And mm. a couple of days later, a connector friend of mine comes up to me and says, Scott, you are one of the, the, the best, most, you know, the real deal connectors in our space. Why do you use that <laughs> crappy question? And I honestly, like, you know, it sounds funny. Sometimes you're just so in your own world that you don't like, Think about it from the perspective of other people, but it really got me uh, into this matter of introspection with my partner, Ryan. And, it, and when you think about why it is such a bad question, let's go down the list. Number one, <laughs> it has, like many marketing platforms and messaging and events and all these other things or platforms or, again, things that have gone from holistic, meaningful approaches to tactician, practitioner, you know, style uh, uh, marketing rubrics. Mm. Um it has become a social script. It has become the, if this, now you say that. Or, oh, I'm told that at the end of a conversation, I should say this because they'll think I'm a great guy or a great woman that really cares about everything they just said. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. It has been bastardized, like most things, like Facebook and these others that now people are starting to pull back, just like Zuckerberg just did with what he did with Newsfeed being pulled, uh, you know, brands and all these, their messages being pulled, you know, getting mm -hmm. back to conversation over noise. So that's one thing. The second is you are literally putting all of the work on the person that you're talking to. <laughs> Yo, oh yes, yeah, sure, I just met you five minutes ago and we had a decent conversation, but sure, let me tell you something major in my life that I can have you, a person I just met, help me with. <laughs> so not only does it feel really inauthentic, but it's putting homework on the person <laughs> that you just met. That's number two. Number three, if you've just had a really meaningful relationship, shouldn't you just be able to tell someone where you can be helpful, mm. right? And so if you ask the right questions to lead up to the pitch for you to make contact and hit the home <laughs> run, you don't say at that point, you know, I'm just going to step out of the batter's box and take this one off. You know, you, you say, okay, I'm going to swing and say, look, you, you mentioned this. I know these people, or you're going to ask a series of better, curious, thoughtful questions to pull more context to make sure you're making the right series of assumptions to then say, well, would this help you? Or I know these people, or I have this resource. So you, you sort of get the idea. But at the end of the day, the reason why it is truly a terrible question is because it ends something like this. Hey, this was great. How can I help you? And the person's going to say, eh, you know, I'm good. I don't really know. Or, oh, I'll let you know. So you basically just took all that effort and potential investment and you got an answer, which 99 out of 100 for any question you ask, and this goes to the larger point, mm. is just not where you want to be as a connector. You need to have a jumping off point for the next conversation. Mm. Or you need to create the basis and foundation for the context that's going to take that conversation elsewhere and elevate it. So questions you should ask. What about something like, 
So what are you working on right now that's really exciting to you? Mm. That's going to tell you what they're working on. It's going to give you the context of its immediate, meaning it's now not some grandiose big scheme. It's going to allow you to then have smart follow-up questions, either about the subject matter. You might not know anything about the thing they're working on to learn more. Or you can ask them, like in a year from now, what does success mean to you if we were meeting again? Mm. Or what are the steps that you need to do to find success? I'm curious. But those kind of questions let people naturally progress the conversation, naturally talk to you, and makes you sort of what you should be, the sort of Sherlock Holmes of context. Because without good context, there can be no good follow-ups. Without Mm -hmm. no good follow-ups, there is no continuation of the conversation. And frankly, the help you may be able to give, which can be more practitioner or tactical, going back to those words, in the end, that you're going to be remembered for. Because even if it didn't help, The fact that you actually made a suggestion that was relevant means that they felt you were actually listening. And people know that most times, most people are not actually listening. They're waiting to get the next (laughs) sentence out. They're waiting to say the next thing about themselves. Mm. Um, And so you stand out in a whole different way versus leaving someone with that icky networker style taste in their mouth, which is, oh, what a waste of five minutes. Well, Scott, I know uh, between you and your co-author, Ryan, you're the extrovert. He's more the, the introvert. I'm curious to know. <laughs> you're kidding. No, you're kidding. No way. <laughs> that can't be true. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who views much of this process, an introvert, say, as, as being a little outside their comfort zone? So I'm going to say something that people think is so contrarian, which <laughs> blows me away. Introverts are more likely than not better mm. connectors wow. than extroverts. Now, most people would be like, wow, that's a that's meant to get Scott a clickbait headline somewhere to get thousands <laughs> on a website. But the reality still holds, which is this. If you are an extrovert, sometimes you let your personality dictate your environment and what you're willing to do, which means you're not being productive or efficient. Like an extrovert just because they have no fear, they might just go into a room of a thousand people and just start talking to everybody and their mother. But what are they not doing in that situation? They're not being methodical. They're not trying to curate smaller, more intimate groups of people Mm. that actually could allow for more meaningful exchange. They are not thinking about the selectivity side. They're thinking about a sort of a mainstream approach. And sometimes, look, people just like to meet other people, and that's okay. Not everything you do in your life has to be exactly to the framework. We all know. We all live lives where there's always going to be gray and situational awareness around where you are. But what I've learned from Ryan and from other introverts is because things like a thousand person or even a hundred person room terrifies the living (laughs) hell out of them, they have to create these safe spaces for themselves where they thrive. And so maybe, you know what, instead of going to the thousand person conference right into the big room, you do some research, you find the right 20 people that all would really find value for meeting each other. And because you want to really learn about someone because you need conversation starters as an introvert, you're going to ask them when they say, you know, would you, well, let me take a step back. You, you, before you even meet them, you could do some research, get some sense of who they are so that when you reach out to them and say, hey, I'm doing a private dinner or I'm doing drinks at this bar while you're at this conference, bringing together 20 hand-selected people, these are the kinds of people, do you want to join us? You can start coming from a perspective of much more human because you're mm. telling them about them. So it's not some mass email mm. um, Two, 
you're, you're able to extract more context from them because you can get questions answered before they attend that event as well so that you can make that like a digest that then gets sent to all the participants. And now you've just made a safe space of 20 people that conversations can flow without you needing to lead those conversations because people will view you as the center of influence, the sphere of influence that brought them together, which makes the room much more meaningful, but also much more conversation filled without a again, that extrovert necessarily having to stand up and start every single one. So I think extroverts need to take a deep breath, even me, and and realize that there is something to be said that listening over talking is smart, that research over bull in a china shop is smart, that putting yourself into safe spaces, even if you are an extrovert, is better for the overall experience for all involved. Because everyone's looking for the same thing. Everyone yearns for meaningful relationships, but they don't know how to curate them. So if you do, it doesn't matter if you're the type A, go right up to anybody, no fear, or if you're the introvert standing in the corner with the drink in their hand. If you can curate that experience, the value is exponential exponentially more valuable than just necessarily going in full bore. Mm. So there is a moment here where I do think that even social media, which has become in some ways the introvert's uh, best tool set if they know how to use it, Mm. right? to live their best selves that they can also teach the extroverts because extroverts, their initial thing is, let me tell you all about me, (laughs) right? versus the introverts, which are going to be usually the better communicators, the people that are more often on the threads and the comments rather than the initial starting point Mm. that are providing more context or helping others provide more context in the forum experiences, again, versus the megaphone people. And I think that both sides Mm. certainly can learn from one another. I know I have for sure with what I've learned from my partner and what I've learned from others like him. You mentioned social media. I am still often blown away when someone asks for a connection and I accept and maybe don't know them at all. Uh, and then they immediately go to selling me on on their wares. Uh, I like what Chris Brogan says about it. In the real world, it would be the equivalent of instead of reaching out and shaking someone's hand, you sticking your tongue in their mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to get your thoughts when it comes to digital connections uh, specifically. You want to reach out to somebody you've never met, say, via email or what have you, social media. What, what advice would you offer there? So let me just take one step back from your premise and then I'll step forward, which mm. is, isn't it amazing? I mean, again, and I don't mean this as disrespect towards you because I'm guilty of this as well. Mm. But isn't it amazing that we've had to as somehow in our culture, it became socially acceptable to say, you know, in the physical world versus the digital one, <laughs> right? You know, in the environment where humans actually see one another versus they're not. But like, isn't that crazy? Like, it, it is. But, because it, but it goes back to the premise of sort of what we're talking about here, which is when did it become socially acceptable that just because you don't see the person, you can act like an ass? <laughs> Right. Or you could go and be that guy that instead of having a casual dinner with someone, you're dancing on the freaking table. Right. (laughs) But that's the point. I think that we have gotten to this point where we do treat these environments differently instead of being human and then amplifying human. 
And so to answer your question, to go back you know, to where we started here, the idea is very simple. What is the best way to meet someone you've never met? Usually, it's a mutual connection. It's someone that actually can provide you value uh, in, in introduction because they know you. They know your intent. They know your background. And they're going to be the best ones to refer you to that individual. Well, then your next question is, well, what happens if you don't know someone? that knows that other person. Well, this is where, unfortunately, I'm going to give you a mantra that changed my life. And that is, you can't cheat real time in relationships. You can only cheat your time. Mm. So yeah, the best way to meet someone you've never met is to build relationships with people that will know that person. That might take months, could take years. It might never happen. But putting the real work in to put yourself in circles that uh, your trust, your authenticity, your work ethic is being amplified by others, not you, immediately gives you the strategic advantage. Like one case in point, I can't name the company, but we had somebody on our team that was literally reaching out to a certain executive, you know, this is a sales role, I understand, to someone for months, not a single in to get to that person. And the person, you know, never thought to go to their CEO and ask anybody know this person. And of course, I knew someone that knows someone. In the same day, the person I asked made an introduction. I had the call scheduled that day, a meeting that afternoon, and a follow-up the next week with a deal in place shortly thereafter. Mm. That's all because of that one person who put their own reputation and social capital on the line. Now, did it take, did I know I was going to use that person one day to make that introduction? Of course not. And did I build that relationship with that intent? Of course not. Mm. And did I make that relationship in three minutes? No, that was a relationship that was years of us going back and forth and meeting and dinners and drinks and friends and so forth. But the point is I put in the time because one day, and this is how you should look at it, value will come back to you. Let's talk Turkey, right? There's nothing wrong with being a profitable business. There's nothing wrong with finding profit as a connector, as long as it is not transactional mindset. Again, going back to the selectivity, you want people around you because they're going to build you up to people, you know, because they share your values and your your mindset and everything else. But that doesn't mean that they are not going to make introductions that you may profit from one day in some mm. way. It just means they know that you're going to handle those people that they're bringing into your world with the proper care, kindness, and consideration and not try to be that guy that's just getting to them to sell, sell, sell. That's the difference, right? It's a mindset difference. So I think people just have to stop thinking about, oh, because I can ping this person on LinkedIn means I should, (laughs) because I technically can hit this person tomorrow means I should. (laughs) Now, we're all guilty of that. Look, there's certainly people in my life that I've reached out to because you know what? Maybe I have a bit more public reputational capital that did come from a real place, but that publicly is through my various communities that are public communities, right, the YEC, Forbes Councils, others, that do give me a certain sense of public persona or public awareness that most people might not have. But the trust that those brands have represented do give me some level of value in reaching out cold because the association and true social proof is in the pudding. Not, not everybody has that, right? But also, I go back to where I started on this whole thing. Those relationships and those brands took me, uh, in case of YC, nearly a decade to build to the level where people say, oh, wow, you founded YC. Eight years ago, nobody knew who that was, Mm. you know, and the only reason you do know what that is, is because of the people that have been curated in it that Mm. speak for the group that then speak for the premise of the founder and those that started it. So it all comes back to the same thing. Find the people in your world that you really want to build deep relationships with and begin that way. 
Build relationships with others directly or indirectly through the network and the community you've built around yourself, and you will have much more success in opening doors, whether professionally or personally. I know how much I appreciate when it comes to introductions, when the other person in advance asks for my permission to make the introduction. I've I've had it go both ways, and there's sometimes when I've been able to say, uh, when they ask if they do, no, uh, now's not a good time or whatever, rather than just shoot out that email and introduce me to somebody that that I wasn't ready or interested in meeting, but now I'm obligated to meet. I just had somebody the other day ask permission and I thought, oh great, this guy gets it. And then when he sent the email to the two of us, it was just a paragraph. The entire email was geared to me and and why I want to connect with that other person. And never once did he say anything to them about why they might want to connect with me. (laughs) I'm like, dude, you're killing me here. It's introductions are a funny thing. Again, We have just gotten so fast on the trigger with email, text message, social media platforms that we're forgetting the humanity. Mm. Like, don't you love when people uh, talk to you again about the marketing tips and tricks and all that? And then you can ask them in a conversation like, yeah, but if an email comes to you with that, would you actually open it? He goes, no, because I know the tactic. Mm. It's like, okay, then, then why do you think that that's okay to say that's best practice, right? And so it's the same thing here. Like we are so fast in thinking about, oh, how do I look like I am the middleman connector or how do I provide value and how do I stay relevant? Like that you forget, like I would never want to be in the middle of that introduction chain, Mm. even though I'm the one facilitating it right now. So, you know, I think introductions are a badge of honor, but they can quickly become a reputational damage moment for you. They can quickly become the the reason you are going to never respond to someone that gives you that intro again mm. because of that exact story you just mentioned. And, and far worse. I mean, my favorites are the ones that try to tell me, oh man, this person can provide so much value and interest. They want to meet you. And then it becomes a sales pitch. The premise is set properly. <laughs> um, right. or, or someone makes the assumption that I can make an introduction to their person to someone much higher up just because they're in one of my communities. Mm. As if I'm going to take someone that I have no background with, that I don't understand why they want to meet with them, that I've never met in person before or shaken a hand. But sure, I'll introduce to the CEO of this hundred million dollar company. No problem. Like it's the logic is crazy and faulty. And so my advice is simple. Number one, do what you say, not what you, you know, if you wouldn't do it, others shouldn't, right? You shouldn't force others to do things. You wouldn't want to be involved in yourself. That's the sort of like smell check, right? Thereafter, <laughs> you know, double opt in, which is nothing new. You want to make sure that you're getting permission from both sides. Third, if you're the facilitator of an introduction, You should be providing context, not only for what the people do and their interest of both sides, but where you believe the conversation might be relevant or valuable, not just like, I'm sure you guys will find something to talk about. (laughs) I'm sure you guys will love meeting each other. Like, no, no, Uh, I I don't think I'll love meeting you because you have no time to just meet people, right? (laughs) Right. Um, Or frankly, and this is the big one, and this is how you know if you're a true connector or if you're someone that just loves to be generous or seem like for ego metric that you are a generous person, you have to be able to say no. Mm. You have to be able to scale the word no across messages and platforms and social scripts, and that's okay. Sometimes being able to write a standard series of emails based on you getting 100 emails a month on two or three specific buckets based on what you do is okay. Or pushing back at someone. Like if you say, hey, I would love to meet you, um, and and they give no context why, and you push back and instead of saying, sure, schedule with my assistant, you say, thanks for reaching out. 
perhaps there's an interest here. Can you tell me why you want to reach out or what you see the interest is? Mm. And I will bet you 80% of the time, those people will never respond back. Mm. So it's about also validating the other side's intent and interest, just as much as it is deciding from your time table, is it worth my time to pursue this? Not because I want something, again, transactionally, but because you don't want to just be talking to everybody because if you can't create value for yourself, where your time is your most valuable asset, then you can't create value for other people. So your focus is crucial because you can't be a million things to a million people. That is not the smart way to look at the world if you want to be a successful connector. If you lose your value, you cannot provide value. Well, to the to the credit of the gentleman I used in my example a moment ago, I was able to. to he's a friend. I pulled him aside privately, gave him some advice, and he, he totally took it to heart. So he's he's going to do it better next time, I think. <laughs> hey, look, you got it. Like I said in the beginning, auditing yourself for where you've been corrupted to <laughs> to the framework that matters mm. is not a bad thing. Everybody needs. Look, there are still times when when you know, people ask me this. You know, where do I start? Right, all mm. the time. Mm-hmm. And instead of giving them again tips, tactics, tricks, starting points, all this stuff that you know, most times you can't just you can't just take something and run with it if your head's not straight, right? If your foundation's not clear, it's like saying, "Hey, I love to paint my house this color. I would love this color." And then you forgot. Oops, I forgot to build the foundation of the house. Like you know, like what's the point of the paint if there's nothing holding the walls up, right? <laughs> um, so what I say is this. Take stock in the next five conversations and not five like methodical conversations around business, like just the next five conversations that are totally random. You were introduced randomly. You're talking to a professional at a networking event, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and be totally honest with yourself about one thing. The second this person tells you something about themselves, did your brain immediately click to an assumption of this person is or is not important or valuable to me. Mm. Did you literally flip a switch? And again, this is not like you're the evil incarnate if you did, (laughs) okay? But be stupidly honest with yourself. Did you say, man, I'm stuck in this conversation. This guy's a used car salesman or this guy owns a business in a totally different industry or, oh, not an executive coach, you know? Whatever it is, did you click and say, this person's not valuable. Let me begin to end this conversation and walk away. Now, it doesn't mean that you should be stuck in every conversation in the rest of your life, hour-long diatribes on people that are not interesting or amazing. Like That's not the point, but I think you know where I'm going with this. It's to say, am I a networker where transaction is still my number one priority, or am I a connector where I'm thinking about the questions I'm going to ask this person to assess where there might be a mutual fit or where value might be able to be created from me to them? Again, it's not because you're going to end up creating that value. It's not because you're going to open the doors to your biggest relationship for someone you just met. But it is an exercise in determining who are you really? And I don't think enough people actually consider that. And I think a lot of people lie to themselves even after they do it. But if you want to be able to have the mindset of a connector, uh, specifically become a super connector, which, by the way, I just say as a disclaimer, if you call yourself a super connector on LinkedIn or anything else, you are not one. Okay, Um, but if you want to be seen as by others as a super connector, which is the true badge of honor, then your mindset needs a reality check. And that is the instant way to know where you stand and how much building and progress and deconstruction you need to do. 
one of my favorite quotes in the book, and I can't remember uh, who you were quoting uh, at the time, but it was something along the lines of one of the most selfish things we can do is give unselfishly because it, it always comes back around. Uh, what was it Zig Ziglar used to always say? Uh, You'll get what you want when you help enough other people get what they want. The world is very karmic. And yes, you know, in the book, we talk about reciprocity and all these other things, but mm. just fundamentals. I mean, again, let's talk brass tacks, right? If you're a good person and you surround yourself with good people, good people just want to help good people, right? Mm. I mean, that's just, forget all the the, the smart, intellectually sounding stuff that <laughs> basically says that. That's what it is. And if you are basically building a series of communities in different industries or different title categories or just friendship groups, the reality is, is that at some point, you're going to have a saturation in various different areas that it'll come back to you, that you're providing enough context about yourself to those that care about you, that when they find themselves in the right moment, they're going to hit you up. They're going to call you. They're going to text you. Hey, do you want an intro to this person? Hey, this cool thing I just heard about. That's what it's about, man. I mean, you know, people get so stuck in trying to sound overly smart. And that's why we are in this you know moment we're in right now where you can't trust anything or anyone because everybody wants to sound like the next big thought leader, right? <laughs> Who thought that was going to be like a thing, right? You can't just actually share information. You have to tie it directly to a personal brand. And that personal brand has to have click through and funnel conversion and client potential now versus just, you know, sharing something you've learned. Like it's just, but that's the point, right? Life is not a marketing exercise, right? But people are turning it into that to put their own gains and their own self-interest above all else. And I just think it is time that we actually just take a deep breath and say, hey, maybe I could just have a beer with you and not think about the future and what we're going to build together or the world we're going to take over or how you're going to make me money. That's okay. But I can just say that to you. I don't have to write five paragraphs, quote five experts and call myself the, the king of gurus to do that. I've got a couple of questions, Scott, that I want to ask you, not directly related to the book, if if we have time. But but before I do that, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure that that we walk away with? I think the most important thing for all your listeners to know, and I reemphasize sort of what I said earlier, this is a wonderful book, and it's not just because I wrote it. We, we basically talked to some of the just most amazing connectors in various industries and got in their heads um, because we want this out there because we believe this is the beginnings of the framework that will make your actual relationships better or meaningful, human. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, that's what life is about. Um, and, and so, you know, I think this is about a moment in, in sharing this information with the world, not because anybody's trying to get rich on writing a book, but rather because this is a, this is something that I want people to come up to me and just, I want to be impressed that they're just caring about the stuff I care about and that they created their own framework and their own tool sets and their own ways of looking at this rather than just doing the same old lazy crap. That's not working and it's only going to hurt you in the long run. So definitely take on, you know, take this moment to, to figure out a way that this kind of content from some of the best in, in the business, you know, do this and, and bring it into yourself because you'll see a tenfold change in all aspects of your life. Well, I'd like for you, Scott, to to think about over the years, the books that you have read that have had the, a significant impact on you. And, and if you can share a couple of titles and and maybe why or how those those books impacted you as, as they did. Yep, absolutely. So um, any book by Adam Grant, I just mm. think is amazing. Give and take. 
uh, originals. Um, I, I think he is just uh, salt of the earth. I mean, mm-hmm. the man knows his stuff. Um, you know, I think another great author, I go by authors because they all have multiple books and there's there's a lot of interesting ways to look at this. Um, Dan Shawbell, uh, again, there is a moment to be a marketer. There is a moment to think about things like how you put yourself out in the world, but there's a way to do it in the right way. I think Dan's books, uh, certainly uh, Me 2.0 and others uh, have, have done a very good job of that. Um, I think the, the one thing is another book that's uh, come out, uh, just a couple months or maybe a year ago or so now, um, you know, talking about how people double down on something very meaningful and impactful and it fundamentally changed, uh, their, their way of doing something or the way in which they got efficient in something, expedient in something. Um, and while I'm sure everybody and their mother, you know, at this point has read a Tim Ferriss book, um, you know, Tim just knows how to extract, talk about context, amazing insights from some of these just incredible people, whether it's Tribe of Mentors or his other books. So I would definitely suggest taking a look at uh, at Tim's work as well. Um, one other one, Ryan Holiday, uh, I think uh, The Obstacle is the Way, uh, and some of the others he's written, again, very contrarian approach, very interesting reads, not necessarily related to the kinds of things that, you know, uh, we do every day in our business, but just a good way to, to maybe look at things you don't agree with in a light that you can read about, um, and, and take in from what you will, your arguments either against those points sometimes, uh, or reaffirm your beliefs. And, and, you know, sometimes you have to read stuff. You don't agree with the material, but you're, you're reaffirming your own beliefs in yourself. I, I know you are really a highly sought after uh, speaker, and of course you're you're doing a lot of appearances on television and whatnot. I'd love for you to share, uh, Scott, uh, any tips you might have for those wanting to get better at public speaking uh, for delivering uh, an impactful and, and memorable public talk. Could you give your talk without slides? Is is my favorite mm. uh, sort of way of looking at this because there's so many speakers that don't really believe in what they're saying. And they do it again with the intent of I'm going to go sell something mm. uh, or, or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to read the room to figure out how just to fit the right message. So I get the business card afterwards. I mean, I think that's a lot of the times what, what people look at. Um, I look at it as if you really care about what you're talking about, you could talk about it in any format, in any group size, in any uh, answer, any question authentically and reasonably, um, not feel like you have to stick to a script because core messages will hold even if the specific language doesn't. Um, and so I think that that is, that is crucial. You know, obviously there's a number of other things to look at if you're talking about like extrovert versus introvert. I obviously can't speak to what is it like to help an introvert get into public speaking. Um, I, I, my partner usually, I can tell you what my partner does. He calls me and says, Hey, can you do this for us instead of me? Um, but you know, the, the reality is, is that it, you know, people, need to learn public speaking, whether it's for a group of five fifty or 5,000, um, whether that's live on stage or on a webinar, if that's more comfortable, because communication is so crucial. Your ideas, if you have something meaningful to say, should be conveyed. You know, as Ted says, ideas are worth spreading if they're valuable ideas. Uh, and that you can't have other people talk your message or, or speak to what you're passionate about because they're not you. Um, and, and so that's why I even say, again, in a selling capacity, again, if that is the mindset of a business, you can't ask a brand new salesperson to go and sell your product if you yourself have never been able to do it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing here where if you can't speak to your virtues, your values, your goals, aspirations, and how to get there to others, or even just speak about your experience, have you really had one? Uh, mm-hmm. So I think those are some of the things I would suggest. 
Well, I, I know the book is just uh, coming out, but I'd love to ask you if you've thought about it, what's after that? Uh, what does the remainder of 2018 hold for you? What are you working on maybe that, that, you're, that you're looking forward to and excited about? <laughs> um, uh, you know, the community company is doing some really amazing things around helping brands uh, and media companies to continue to look at this sort of reversal of the social media age, again, through our lens. How do we not think of a person as how many likes can our social media manager get, but instead, how do we hire the right community management structure to help people, even if it has nothing to do with our brand, but they are our customer, to provide a more meaningful approach to how we think about customer success. And so I think a combination of our platforms and tools, our community management methodologies and team are really trying to help brands, not just quote unquote amplify message like an ad agency or a social media company, um, but rather talk about how do we go back to ensuring your base, your customers or your stakeholders are people that really truly have a deep tie to your ethos that really care about the community that your brand has created. And now people will say to me, well, Scott, I own a restaurant What is community around, you know, my brand, you know, oh, good. You know, what does that mean? And I'll say, well, you know, it doesn't mean you have to have like a content blog that says XYZ restaurant talking about, you know, the soup of the day. But if you're a, a restaurant that really cares about the local community and that's your ethos, because that's where your brands are, that's where your local things are. Well, why aren't you starting you know, a local news site for uh, sports and, and highlights of the local schools that can't afford to do it themselves mm. and allow the team meetings to be in your establishments and allow the winners to be able to celebrate their victories for free at your establishments and so on and so forth. So that mm. there's a way to look at every brand through the lens of how a customer interacts with their ethos, not their brand, but their thesis, their reason for being. A company might have, again, a restaurant might have great food and that's their goal. They want to serve great food, but who are they serving it to? And why are the people coming to them? If you could solve that equation, then the brand becomes a lot more obvious in the form of what does that community mean? But if you're thinking like, how do I create a content channel that's just going to push out a bunch of crap about <laughs> my steak frites? Mm. It's not necessarily going to do the, the necessary intent. So helping brands understand and tackle community in a meaningful way. We've got some really cool stuff and some really big brands on board that I think 2018 is going to be a breakthrough year for our company for sure well the book is is one i highly recommend with very easy to implement and practical advice it is called super connector stop networking and start building business relationships that matter co-authored with ryan paul his name is scott gerber scott thank you so much for being a part of the show i so appreciate it thank you to dig into more of my chat with scott like checking out the plethora of books and authors he recommended you can visit the show notes page which is created especially for this episode you'll find that at read to lead podcast.com slash 202 for episode 202 and just to say thanks to you for sticking around to the end of the episode i'm giving away a copy of scott's book super connector all you need to do are two things leave a comment on that show notes page telling me why you'd love a copy of super connector and then sharing the episode via social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you hang out the most. And I'll randomly select a winner from everyone who does that. Again, the show notes page is readtoleadpodcast.com slash 202. And you can find and tag me on most social media platforms at the Jeff 
Steve Brown. Please make sure you comment and share by Friday, February 16th at noon central. Thanks again to our sponsors making this episode possible. Fresh Books with a free 30-day trial available to you. No obligation and access to 100% of Fresh Books features free for 30 days. Go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Thanks also to Gusto, a refreshingly easy payroll benefits and HR solution for the modern small business where you no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits and great service to take care of your team. Sign up today and you get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash read to lead. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 